This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, also last night, we saw two of the best passes, individual passes that we've seen so far this season. Leon Dreisaitl with that rocket backhand. You know, we've always said that in this generation and maybe the previous generation, no one plays on their backhand more or better than Sidney Crosby. Yeah, he's got a strong competitor in Leon Dreisaitl with that canoe paddle blade that he has. That backhand was harder than most players can pass it forehand. And also Mikhail Sergachev. Um, that pass to Nikita Kucherov. And watch Sergachev's body because he gets everybody on the ice wearing an Ottawa Senator sweater to bite that he is going to shoot. Everybody bites and it's a perp- It's almost like a Kucherov pass to Kucherov, really, when you think about it. Uh, two of the best passes we've seen so far this season occurred last night. With that, we'll bring in Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. You know, Jeff, I was surprised you didn't credit Steven Stamkos' pass to Brady Kachuk, or you pointed out that maybe <laughs> all the Ottawa players thought that Sergachev was going to do the sifter that you like to talk about. Yes. That's, uh, that is coined uh, by the man they called Bundy, Warren Reichel, when he had him in Windsor in a great conversation where he described all the shots that he had and he snuck in sifter and me and Colby Armstrong and Todd Warner went, what's a sifter? But he's got it and more players do it now. Hey, real quick before we get to the uh, the Ottawa Senators and them being up for sale, etc. Um, Leah, I, you spent a lot of time, well, we both did, but you had an extended interview with him in Paris. And, you know, you asked him about, you know, being nominated as the best passer in the NHL, and he was pretty confident about it. Do you have a thought yeah. after last night? Like, it wasn't just one great pass to Kane. The first one was gorgeous. The second one from behind the net, how he finds that that passing seam is is incredible. Just have a thought on Leon Dreisaitl and what he's laying before us before we get to McDavid. I, I think that the thing about that interview was, and it didn't air like this, but I remember in the conversation, Jeff, that um, the one thing that Dreisaitl said was when I brought up that player poll that named him the best passer, he kind of said, he kind of like looked at me a bit with a confident look and he said, it's expected. Then he goes, I oh, know, maybe I shouldn't say that. And my reaction to him was, no, 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 don't, don't run away from that. I think hockey fans want to hear players talk like that. They want, you know, you don't have to be uh, annoyingly boastful that people can't stand you, but there's nothing wrong with showing a little bit of pride in your work and saying, yeah, like, I I know it's a good skill I have. Like, he knows he's a great passer, and he knows he's one of the best passers in the league, and he was unbelievable again last night. And the other thing, too, Jeff, is that when he retires, he's taken all our jobs. Like, what else did he say? Not only did he say, yeah, it's expected I win that goal, but he also said McDavid's going to score 60 or should score 60, and the guy's on pace for 90. And uh, I I, got to say, like, Dreisaitl, whenever his day comes, if he wants to be a commentator, he's going to be a great one. But you know what? He's probably going to make too much money to join the great unwashed here. 
Yeah, he probably can't. Uh, he can't take the pay cuts um, to, to to join us with the uh, the people whose uh, whose money makes noise in their pockets. Uh, <laughs> do you have a quick thought on Connor last night? Like like back at it, Connor McDavid finding the back Ridiculous. of the net, and you know I was gonna mention like with uh, with Drysaddle saying he can score sixty. Like maybe sixty is too low. I don't know what more we can say about Connor other than we're talking about hockey right now. We're making hockey sounds. We better involve Connor McDavid because flat out, full stop, he's the best player in the game well th- well think about this uh think about this jeff he's on pace for 90 right now just mm-hmm. imagine and i hope it happens I-, I really do i mean he'll probably be asked this at yeah. some point he'll say this is a stupid question we shouldn't have been talking about it but ju- this is what we do okay <laughs> just imagine for a sec that he's chasing 92 at the end of the season like, just imagine what a circus that would be. How, it, But it would be incredible. It would be incredible to watch if he was anywhere even close to it. And, you know, the other thing now is if, if you look at his shoot to, shooting totals in his career, I think it was the second year he had 274 shots, which was his career high. And then in the last few years, he was below that. And then last year, he got up to 314. And he had eight last night, which puts him back on pace for about the same number. So he's taking, like last year and this year, 40, he's 40 more last year. He's on pace for the same this year, more than he's ever shot. So what that says to me is he knows he has to shoot the puck more. And he's heard the, he's heard the noise and he believes it. And the other thing is he's shooting like 29-something percent right now. Like, that's absurd. I, I, I don't know that that will continue, although with him – Maybe it could. Like, who's going to doubt the guy? But, like, he's right near the NHL record. Like, the NHL record is 33%. So, um, you know, if he keeps shooting the amount of times he does and anywhere close to that same rate, he's going to put up absurd totals. And we're all going to be sitting there happy to watch it. We will be. Uh, they're a delight to watch. Like there are a few players around the league that are must see TV, and you ha- like every time Edmonton's on, you just have to watch. Okay, one of the other big things that we're all following right now, and it's been, you know, it's been it's been talked about for a while. And we talked yesterday on the program about the Sportico piece about franchise valuations and and which teams are for sale and how much they can fetch. What is as of Wednesday, November the second at twelve twelve p.m. Eastern? What is the very latest on the? Um, the Ottawa Senators being available and for sale. Well, I, I think they're going to get sold, Jeff. It's just a matter of, of of who. Like one thing I didn't write about today. Like people were asking me, like, do you think there's any chance the team is going to move? And I'm and my answer is no. I I don't think there's any chance they're moving. I, I think the league has always been committed to the city, and uh, and I. I like there's a this what happened yesterday that that good report from Sportico, to me it's just confirmation of a lot of things that we've been hearing, and that is that they're working furiously behind the scenes. You know what have they done? They they put a really nice coat of paint on the team this year, and you know what's funny about that is mm-hmm. that in a lot of cases when teams get sold, Jeff, you or businesses get sold, you try to strip them down, and say okay, like you don't have a lot of costs here. But actually, getting those players signed might make the team more valuable. But anyway, they put, they, they put a, a fresh coat of paint on the roster. But what we haven't been seeing, because they've been working hard to keep it quiet, 
is just the renovation and the, and the work that's being done internally or on the business side. And the reason they've done, gone a lot of way to be quiet is because in the past, like a lot of this stuff has been out in the public and it's been a disaster for the processes. And one is the downtown yeah. arena and the other is the lawsuits. Now, I, I heard this morning, I, I can't remember how many lawsuits there are in relation to this. Somebody said there's two, but someone else said there's three. Someone told me this morning they mm -hmm. believe that one of those is settled and they're working on the other ones. But, you know, until, uh, until we get this all kind of sorted out, we're not going to hear anything. But this is confirmation the team's going to be sold. It's going to stay there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Melnick family keeps a minority share. And, you know, the one thing I've been told is there's, there's been a lot of interest. Like, they've had a lot of people kicking tires about this or formulating things about this. Now we're going to find out who's serious and who, who isn't and who needs to get real. Because I think they've had a lot of people kind of poking around. Now we're going to – now it's time to – are you sitting at the table? Are you playing poker? Do you, are, are you cashing in? Are you anting up? Or are you just making noise? The, the one thing that is good through all of this is regardless of who ends up owning this thing, it looks like in some capacity, and who knows what it is, Daniel Alfredson is back full stop with the Ottawa Senators. Well, I, I think that that's definitely true, and it's, it's a great thing. You know, he's going into the Hall of Fame this year, absolutely deserving, and he should go in as a happy member of the organization. You know, that's, that's, that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be any other way. And I agree with you, Jeff. I think it's a, it's a great thing that that's, that's going to happen. He's a senator, and uh, full stop. Mm -hmm. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers, Toronto Maple Leafs. You're at Scotiabank Arena right now. A second ago, we could hear pucks hitting glass, which is a, which is probably the second best sound. Actually, maybe the third best. I think the first best sound in hockey is a puck hitting a crossbar. The second best sound is uh, skates on fresh ice, and the third best is puck hitting glass. How? Um, I don't want to make too much of a game. You know, the the first game in November for a team, but coming off that road trip that the Maple Leafs just had. Uh, and knowing what's on the horizon, namely games against teams like the Boston Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights and the Carolina Hurricane, how crucial is this one, or where does this one rank, or is this just a Wednesday night in November for the Maple Leafs? Well, it's not a Wednesday night in November, and uh, I have to say, Jeff, I am not surprised in the least that you would have rankings of sounds at a hockey rink. There's only one guy I know who would actually have rankings, and, and, and you're that guy. Um, you know the, the Flyers didn't. The Flyers didn't skate this morning. Um, I, I heard. I think uh, Christine was advocating something with John Tortorella. The Flyers um, didn't skate this morning. The, you know the Maple Leafs were were here. Um, you know, like it, it, it's obvious here. Like, we, you know, I have, a, I have a buddy we joke with. Is, is this a, is this a five alarm blaze? Is it a three alarm blaze? Um, you know, where, where are we? He's a huge Leaf fan. I, you know, I, I always go to him. You know, where are you in the Leaf panic meter? And uh, he's at a four-alarmer uh, right now is where he is. Look, Jeff, I think the thing that I always wonder about here is, look, you're, 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 you're taking the temperature and everybody's hot right now. And, yes, it's still early, and I, I do believe that. And there's, there's this. 
and there's plenty of time to fix things, and they're in the race. It's not like they're, you know, Vancouver or St. Louis, who's, you know, fallen behind or uh, any of those teams at the, the teams at the bottom of the East. They're in the race. There's two things that I look at here that are would be of concern to me if I was running the organization. Number one, the underlying numbers are not pretty. You know, we, we talked about some of them in the opening of the show on Saturday. Uh, their their five-on-five five scoring rate is way down. Their, their high-danger attempts or slots from the shot are way down. Like, one thing about the Maple mm-hmm. Leafs last year is that their underlying numbers were excellent, like near near the top of the league. And the other thing that I was told yesterday by uh, someone from a team is that one thing about Toronto was they always had a high expected goals percentage or a high expected shooting percentage because the team philosophy was the forwards shoot. We don't waste time with shots from the blue line is kind of their team philosophy. Apparently, if you look at the numbers this year, they're just expected mm-hmm. percentages are very low. They are not shooting from where they shot last year. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that it, there's you can fix it by being less perimeter? Um, maybe. But though that's the thing that, you know, you always ask around, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? And the thing that I'm hearing a lot is Toronto's underlying numbers are notoriously worse than they generally are. I think the other thing, Jeff, is, and I wrote this in my notes last night, and those of us who work at places like Sportsnet can appreciate this. Um, you know, we're, the MLSE is 75% owned by the telecoms, the good telecom and the evil telecom. And <laughs> we, know, we know our bosses. And they don't like people to be comfortable when things aren't yep. going well. And that is, if I was running the Maple Leafs, I would be concerned about what the people on the board are thinking. That's what I would wonder about. Well, much like you have uh, that one buddy of yours who's the Maple Leaf fan that you turn to, like, okay, how are you feeling about this? The one person in your life that has their thumb on the pulse for the Maple Leafs. I have one of those in my life as well. And he texted me yesterday, like two minutes after I got off the air, and he said, and he texted me, here's the difference uh, between last year and this year with the Maple Leafs. Because, you know, the the spin on all this is, well, this is just like last season. You know, they have the same kind of start. Don't worry, they ended up 115 points. Do you remember what saved them last year in November? Was Jack Campbell, who had a 959 save percentage and won nine, I think it was nine of 11 starts. That's the guy that turned the season around for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Campbell all of a sudden turned into, uh, 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 you know, George Vesna Campbell. That's what saved them. So to your point about the underlying numbers, that's really interesting and probably a bad omen for the Maple Leafs. The other is, I don't know that someone's coming in with a 959 save percentage to pull the Maple Leafs out of this thing. Well, I have to say, I think Samson has been really good. Um I think he's been their best player, and I, you know, just imagine if if he hadn't been what he's been for the first month of the season, uh, they'd be they'd be drowning. And he's been yeah. he's been really good. I, you know, 
I don't think it's all on Shalgren, but we've talked about, you know, look around the league right now and how important, you know, the days of, of Marty Brodeur playing 76 games are over. You need a backup that can yeah. keep you going in, in 20 to 25 starts. And it's not all on Shalgren, but they've got one point in the three games he's played, and those games were against Arizona, San Jose, and uh, Anaheim. That's, to me, you, you can't do that. Um, you know, we're all talking about New Jersey right now. They're on a really hot start. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're beating up on a lot of teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. But that's not their fault. That's their schedule, and you have to win those games. So, like, that, that's another thing that I'm looking at right now is they're throwing away points against teams that they have to beat. Mm-hmm. They really are. Okay, a couple of minutes. You mentioned the uh, the New Jersey Devils, and that was clinical last night. That was, yes, was. Heischer and Jesper Bratt, who were just dancing oh all night god, long. I hear about Heischer uh, again. They, oh, God. No, don't worry. I'll park the Heischer talk. I'm sure you're sick of hearing me talk about Nico Heischer. <laughs> By the way, we're warming up for a selkie here in New Jersey. More on that later. Yes, I heard. Uh, Jesper Bratt was outstanding. He continues to climb. Um, but from the Vancouver, like Vancouver Canucks come off two wins. Uh, start to pull out of this, you know, this this skid, and then they go right back into it in a game against, as you mentioned, the red-hot New Jersey Devils. Through all of it, Bo Horvat continues to play, and Horvat continues yeah. to perform. Two goals last night, 55% at the dot. I think a lot of us are looking at this. You know, I was on with Jamie and Drancer yesterday on 650, like saying, like, what I, I have no explanation for why... This deal isn't done, and you know Bohorovet has Bohorovet has to have this piano on his back still. Um, what is what is the latest, or maybe there is no latest with uh, with Bohorovet, the the center that continues to perform despite a lot of things around him, either on fire or crumbling. Well, I, I don't think much has changed, unless it like changed this morning. I, I don't think much has changed. I think there's a, a stalemate there. Um, look, the, the the thing you control, Jeff, is is your effort and what you do. There can be a total tire fire going on around you, but that doesn't mean you have to let it affect the way you prepare for your job or you approach your job or you do your work. Um, there are always other things in life we, we can control. Uh, the world just seems like one gigantic tire fire right now, but that doesn't mean it gives you an excuse not to perform or what you need to do. And I give him credit. Like, that's, that's what he's doing. He's, you know, as, mm-hmm. as bad as it's been around him, uh, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do, and, or one of the things, and that's score. I think that the problem is right now, and I, I've had a lot of conversations with this over, over the years, is I think one thing that could be an issue is how do you do an extension while things are going like this? And it's not all, it's a tough thing than you think. Look, like, if your team is not expected to be very good, then that's a different thing. But this is a team that was hoping to be a playoff team, and they're really not trending that way. I think that makes these kinds of situations difficult. Like, last night was November 1st. As you know, Jeff, I keep my November 1st stat, which is that if you're four points out, you, I, I think I have to check the exact number. I didn't look it up today, but it's about 15%. There's been about 60 teams that have been 10 po- four points out on November 1st in full seasons since 05, 06. I think like 10 or 12 of them have made the playoffs. 
So this year, that's that's Vancouver, that's St. Louis, that's Ottawa, and um, that's also one other team, uh, Columbus. And, you know, Anaheim and San Jose don't count, but the math is not good for them. So historically, those four teams, you know, you're really, you're in deep. You're in a really tough spot. And I can see the Canucks looking at this and saying, this is not the right time to do this. And I I know they wouldn't be the only team that would feel that way. That's a really difficult position considering the player is a pending UFA. Like, I don't know. That, I don't want to say that that's a, I don't know that that, I don't want to say that it's a frivolous way to look at negotiations. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just too, sen- too, too sensitive to this situation, but I don't know that as a negotiating tactic that puts the other side in the mood to do a deal. You know what I mean? Uh, you know what? I would generally agree with you, Jeff. I, I think, I think when you're running a business, you should decide if someone's valuable to you or not, and you shouldn't let necessarily outside. You shouldn't let outside noise affect it. That's why you're there. You're paid to make those difficult decisions, and you should do them to your heart's desire. But I, I do think it does come up. I, I do think it's something that does become a talking point. The, uh, and as they say, the only leverage you have in a negotiation is if you have the ability to walk away. And if you're yes. Bo Horvat, there are, what, Elliot, about 30 other teams, you know, 31 other teams that would want uh, Bo Horvat on their squad. Anyhow, we'll, we'll follow this one and see where it goes. Uh, okay, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow back here at noon Eastern. Thanks, pal. My pleasure, Eric. Have a great day and keep ranking hockey sounds. <laughs> you know my three. It's the crossbar, it's the skates, and it's the glass.